What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scott of HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, my co-host and our salary cap expert, Mike Consiglietti, Yossi Goslin joins me for our season opening edition of the Hoops Hype podcast, and we've got a lot to get into. We're going to talk Ben Simmons, DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley. Yeah, I know. I didn't think we'd be talking about Marvin Bagley either, but here we are. And uh, what some of the extensions mean looking ahead now with the season upon us. So, uh, Yossi, I think the first domino we're going to knock down here is Ben Simmons with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, you know, there were reports that at practice today, Ben was uh, not really engaged and didn't want to do drills when asked by Doc Rivers. He got asked twice and then he gets kicked out. Uh, of, of practice and you know, see for me, like I expect more of the same behavior from Ben Simmons. You know, he's come this far with wanting out of Philly, and uh, so there's no reason for him to turn back now. Um, to me, it's a different version of the James Harden saga from last year, and I think that um, I like I said, I don't see an end in sight um, from Philadelphia's perspective. They're, they're not trying to move Simmons for a guy like C.J. McCollum or solid players at the moment. Um, you know, one league source told me that trade talks regarding Simmons have been quiet to this point. And, uh, you know, Philadelphia still wants him back and they think he's their best chance of winning right now. Uh, but clearly, uh, Joel Embiid is over it. You, you see today he, he was talking about they can't be babysitting someone. Uh, the two of them are, they've never been that tight. So I could see now how Embiid is done with it. And I, I think I'll say this while Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, his reputation is going to take a hit. No question. Joel Embiid's stock is going to be up for the fans in Philly like never before. If you thought this guy was the franchise cornerstone before, you know, this is a guy that could be an MVP candidate again this year. And if he puts this team on his back and stays healthy, uh, he's going to be even more of a folk hero in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's fun to fun to talk about Ben Simmons yet again. Uh, doesn't <laughs> seem like this one is ending anytime soon. But at the same time, doesn't feel like we're repeating ourselves. I think every week there's a little there's something more interesting to talk about. So there's that. Um, so I want to touch on you. You brought up what like Jimmy Butler, James Harden did, and I like a couple of weeks ago I was saying that in my opinion I think if Simmons wants to expedite a trade, he probably should show up and be a little toxic and put the Sixers in a position where you know they are playing, their uh, games are going on, and now it could start to affect teammates and their season could be on the line, like. When you get into that situation, once the season starts, then you, you know you, you could start to get a little more leverage. But uh, what just happened today, I don't think this was really a win for Simmons because part of the reason he came back to to the Sixers lineup was so he could get paid. And if you're going to get suspended, then that kind of defeats the purpose of coming back. So, um, if by yeah, so like you know you can. It's one thing to show up and like you talk about Jimmy Butler, James Harden. They came in and they made their trade request, but they balled out. 
and they reminded the rest of the league what they're getting if they if they trade for one of those guys. Um, and instead, Simmons was didn't come back in good faith. He refused to participate in certain things, and because of that, the Sixers had grounds to suspend him. So he not only does he lose money, uh, but if he, you know, if he, I think he's kind of revealing his uh, commitment to the game or lack thereof. If it hasn't been that obvious already, based on everything that's happened this offseason. at least Harden and Butler, they show like, hey, like I'm, I'm really that guy. I may have ha- made a nasty trade request, but like, you know, I just want to be in my in the situation I want to be. And once that happens, here's what you're gonna get. And you know, I so this this I don't think this is speeding up uh, the process. I don't think this is convincing teams to step up their offers because, like you're saying, the Sixers have no uh, intention on moving Simmons for even a CJ McCollum type player. So they don't want solid players. They want to start. You know, that might not happen. But you know, most likely at this point, I think. If a Simmons trade happens this year, it's probably not going to happen until at least December, once more players become trade eligible. So, look, he's gonna—I think he's gonna have to buckle up for now. He's gonna have to play in good faith, and you know, hopefully, the over time, uh, the teams will step up their offers and get him out of there as soon as possible. Well, we'll see what happens, but certainly he's not the only guy that's uh, just finishing up. Uh, training camp or practices recently and you know is upset right now the next guy that's a pretty notable name that's upset with his organization is a guy that helped carry his team to two wins from the championship last year i'm talking about deandre and on the phoenix suns and um you know deandre and his representation you know bill duffy and nima namaki and they they made it clear like they wanted a max and Phoenix made it clear that they didn't view him as a max player. Um, so at that point, it's pretty simple. Uh, there was no extension there, and you're going to have to regroup from there. But, you know, Yossi, with that in mind, I was checking in with some executives around the league for their thoughts on the DeAndre Ayton situation and had gotten some opinions from uh, three executives. So, and they all kind of had a little bit uh a little bit of a different viewpoint so the first executive said to me that uh that owner's cheap and he'll get killed for it again he finally had some goodwill making the finals and he pulls this referring to not giving it an extension uh max and he said the fact is the kid earned it yes prior to last season i'd have questions about it but he performed the whole season and you invested a number one pick in him he was a little bit maybe slow to develop but he got there I don't think he's mature enough to handle stuff like that, you know, referring to not getting the extension. Uh, so I think it could hurt him for a while. Monty seems to have a way with him. So maybe they can pull him back in and say, do your job and get paid. Uh, so far, Aiton has not spoken with the media in Phoenix over the past uh, couple of practices. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, another executive focused on it from an optics standpoint. Um, he was saying that. You know, it was one thing to not do an extension with Aiton, but then to do one for Landry Shamit, who hasn't even played for their team yet, uh, that was surprising to him. Now, granted, Landry Shamit uh, on a four-year deal, two of those years, first two were guaranteed, but 
uh, was more the principle of the matter, according to that executive, that he was surprised that. And, um, and you know, another one said <laughs> that Sarver's being tight with the money. And, you know, they extended bridges, McHale bridges, that is. And uh, they did it with Shamit. So uh, it was a little surprising that the other franchise cornerstone on this team, who you invested a number one pick in, doesn't get the extension. Um, so though that's where the executives stood. And obviously for me, I, I put out a tweet the other day. I, I felt kind of similarly to the one who the executive that mentioned, you know, if Landry Shamit can get an extension, why can't he? And I know it's completely different money. But the point is about the principle of the matter. Um, you know, Yossi, I mean, from your perspective, I, I touched on this a little bit in a recent story on Hoopsite, but you seem to think that Aiton can get a max offer sheet this summer in 2022. Yeah, he should be able to. So a couple things about everything you just put out. Uh, so uh, personally, I'm not against Aiden getting a max. I think. Uh, Given his contributions in the finals run and his pedigree, I totally understand his max or no deal stance that he gave. And uh, while, you know, it might be debatable whether he is like truly worthy of a max contract, I I think he should still garner one in the right market. And even though next offseason is supposed to be very slow, there's very little cap space out there. I think the only teams that can really offer him a max contract that actually have a need for him are the Spurs and Pistons. So he could get that offer sheet. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not worried about that. And as far as like the the money aspect, so it was reported that Aiden, the Suns, did like offer max dollars, but not max years, which is kind of odd. I would imagine if I'm, you know. I think you you want to lock up a guy like Aiden. What is he? Twenty two. You want to get him for as long as possible. Like, you know, even like I don't understand how you want to give him the max dollars, but then potentially lose him in like three or four years. That's the part that's odd to me. So, I mean, like I, I would. T- I mean, time will tell. Like what what maybe because maybe or maybe that's not true. Maybe they didn't really offer max money. We'll see. But uh, maybe time will tell. We'll find out. But. Uh, so, but if that's true, then it's not so much that Sarver is being cheap or anything, because they're gonna pay the tax. They're gonna be in the luxury tax starting next year. Uh, I'm, I think they'll bring back Aiden. So, and they just gave Shamit this big deal, which is a whole nother thing. We'll get into that. But he's gonna get a pretty big salary, and if they get Aiden back next year on a max salary, the Suns are gonna pay at least like a $45 million luxury tax bill. Um, so they're going to pay the tax. I think they're going to do it. I just don't understand this whole year's discrepancy. Uh, and then you touched on, you know, Aiden. He didn't talk to the media. Uh, Monty Williams might need to pull him back in. Yeah, I mean, I could understand if there's some ill will right now about this. I don't think it should affect their season. But uh, I understand if he might be feeling a little bit underappreciated that they didn't give him the full max that he thinks he deserves. Um, now, I'll, I'll just say this. Keep in mind, Aiden does have a very large $16 million qualifying offer next offseason. While, again, I'm confident both sides will come to an agreement on a new deal next year, 
that's still a pretty big qualifying offer for Aiden to take if the relationship starts to unravel. Ah, uh, that would be a plot twist for sure. Um, yeah, I think ultimately they got to figure it out. I, I, I think they will. I, 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 I it feels like they just kind of want them to. If if it is all about the years, then they'll they'll get it their way. If they just want them to get max dollars less years. Well, I mean, that's all he can get in in a max offer sheet. So, you know, it's not I get that why he could why he wants that offer that he wants to come from them. And, you know, I, I think about what happened with Gordon Hayward uh, when I, the Jazz did something similar. They just told him, you know, go get your max offer sheet and we'll match it. And that's exactly what happened. Usually when a, a team lets a player a restrictive agent test the market they and they'll end up re-signing the player directly they won't make you go through that extra step and i think that cost the jazz gordon hayward in the end like i think with the hawks and john collins for example they let him test the market but in the end they didn't they, they still re-signed them to something that's kind of similar uh max it wasn't quite max dollars but they they gave him the they, they gave him a fifth year so um, I, I, I think the worst thing they could do is actually let Aiden sign an offer sheet a- elsewhere. Cause that's kind of, I would, uh, to me, that might be rubbing salt on the wound. That's already, uh, open right now. Yeah. Time will tell for sure on that. Um, but you know, keeping the, uh, merry-go-round going another guy who's dissatisfied with his team, Marvin Bagley on the Sacramento Kings. Now, uh, you know, this has been like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole since they took Marvin Begley over Luka Doncic in the draft. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and then like they've uh, you hear about this guy in the trade market. And, uh, you know, I said it last time they've kind of sold this guy, tried to like a Caraco suit, um, you know, those five for one deals. But uh, today. Jeff Schwartz, Marvin Bagley's agent, put out a statement and he blasted them. He blasted the Sacramento Kings. This, I, I haven't seen to have this in writing and in a tweet was epic uh, in a lot of ways. So Jeff Schwartz in a statement said Sacramento has informed Marvin Bagley he is not the opening. He is not in the opening night rotation, which is completely baffling. It's clear they have no plans for him in the future, and yet passed on potential deals at last year's deadline and this summer based on, quote, value. Instead, they chose to bring him back but not play him, a move completely contradictory uh, to their, quote, value argument. This is a case study in mismanagement by the King's organization. Uh, Well, Jeff, I don't know if. You know, you've been around the Kings for uh, over a decade and a half, but they haven't made the playoffs in a while. So that's an understatement. But, um, you know, Marvin Bagley also uh, has had times where he is injured and hasn't been on the floor and defensively has uh, left something to be desired. Let's, uh, you know, let's put it that way. So uh, you've got Marvin Bagley now getting this statement from Jeff Schwartz. And it just seems like more than ever, Yossi, agents and players are trying to really force the hand of a team uh, because timing is of the essence. And um, 
you know, like I said, it's, it's been a bad fit since they passed on Luca. So Bagley has a $14.76 million qualifying offer. Uh, unlike DeAndre Ayton, as you referenced earlier, it would be an electrocution shock if Sacramento offered that and made him a restricted free agent. Uh, to me, he's got to be moved by the trade deadline. And, um, you know, I somehow, some way, it, it just it hasn't worked. I think at this point, you got to cut your losses at this point. Yeah, this is uh, it's going to be a very long season for Marvin Bagley and the Kings, I think. Uh, it's, you know, whenever you have a draft pick, you took him high as you did with Bagley. And he's not quite, you know, he hasn't quite been healthy and hasn't quite lived up to the number two uh, selection. But at the same time, uh, he's still making a good amount of money. And, he's you know, you there's some value in his restricted rights if he gets there. It's it's just one of those things where like the the team is gonna do what's best for them and and in some ways just keeping him there, even if they're not gonna play uh pay play him at all. It's it's um it's just one of those things where they're you know, they're kinda they're kinda Bagley's kinda stuck with this and you know, uh, his agent I can see like making the statement, I'm not sure it's gonna expedite anything. But maybe more so, like show, uh, make a statement saying, "Hey, like you know, look what how this team is treating my players." You know, kind of send that kind of message around the league. But, um, you know, I, I'm sure they've shopped the Bagley already, and it's a rough situation as far as the minutes because the Kings already have like six other centers, and they'll probably hold on to him at least through the trade deadline if it takes that long. Um, and even if they can't get value for Bagley, uh, seems like they're going to hold on to his contract, at least for like a bigger trade. That's $11 million. It can be used for a big trade if needed. Uh, I don't know if they want to, if they just outright cut him, at if even if he's out of the rotation past the trade deadline. But yeah, just not great for Bagley, who's on a contract here, and he needs playing time to boost his stock right now. And it's also bad for his free agency because... Now he's not really going to get a fair shot to keep that $15 million qualifying offer you just mentioned. If he doesn't get enough minutes and also you know, doesn't start enough games, his qualifying offer could drop to around $7 million. So I'll just say that if you're not going to play him, at least don't make him destined to fail at, at this contractual thing. With, I think that's the one aspect that is the Kings might be kind of crossing a line like i understand like if you look at the king's rotation i'll admit maybe there's like i think they could do a a good nine man rotation that might not include bagley but at the same time i think he's better than most of the other like i i would still play him than just about all the other backup big men they have so i you know well it's interesting because you got to play him if you're going to trade him too you got to showcase yeah. him a little bit. So, and and he's not hurt right now, is he? Not to my knowledge. Yeah. So, so with in with that aspect, I it, that's a really sensitive thing. You're like you're really, you're literally playing with his money right there. So I I'm maybe may, like I, I understand why the statement had to be put out in that regard. Well, you know it's ironic. You've got one team that could be playing with a guy's financial future. 
and he could potentially be traded. You've got another guy who just signed an extension that uh, secured a nice bag for himself and now took himself off the trade market in any form. You got Malcolm Brogdon on the Indiana Pacers getting a two-year extension um, with the Pacers. And so now he can't be traded. And to me, that seemed like one of the better potential trade pieces, along with maybe Karis LeVert, the 76ers, could have gotten for Ben Simmons in a hypothetical trade package. Now that's off the board. And Simmons has been a huge distraction for Philly. And uh, I wonder if they're going to look back and question if they should have did that. You know, Malcolm Brogdon was a guy that was knocking on the door for an all-star appearance last year in Karis LeVert. Well, when healthy, is shown to be a, a nice young player. We now transition from upset hour to happy hour. Now the players we <laughs> talk about, they all got their money. They all got to be feeling pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, with Malcolm, with Malcolm Brogdon's extension, I mean, the value is pretty neutral for me. I think he wins. You know, he's earning the same amount that he's already been earning. And Indiana wins if the salary cap continues to rise. Uh, you mentioned that, yeah, now Brogdon cannot be traded this season. Uh, so, but at the same time, Indiana could still put together a pretty strong package for Ben Simmons. Now, at this point, you're probably looking at something centered on either a Karis LeVert or Miles Turner. Uh, TJ Warren, I think, could make a lot of sense for Philly if if he gets uh, if he gets healthy soon. I doubt they move Sabonis. The organization seems very attached to him. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, as far as the, the trade prospects, I think the Pacers could make just as good an offer as anyone else, even without Brogdon. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were touching on some, some talented big guys there like Turner and Sabonis. Uh, we did see a talented young guy get an extension with the Memphis Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson Jr., who was the second overall breakout candidate that, executives voted as the the second most likely candidate to break out this year uh, behind Darius Garland in our executives poll on Hoopsite. So, you know, I was catching up with some executives on that too. And one executive told me that, uh, you know, we're talking about all the extensions and, and he said, some of these extensions have been surprising like Jaron Jackson. I can't believe it. He's barely played the last two years you know, Memphis, I think, are making a statement here, taking care of their guy. And when he's healthy, he can stretch the floor. He can block shots. He's he's a little bit of a unicorn. He took him high in the draft. And him and uh, John Morant are the cornerstones there, for better or worse. So um, we'll see how it affects uh, Memphis going forward. And now that he has that peace of mind, if if he can have that breakout season like executives predicted. Uh, I'm not too, I'm not really surprised at all that he got the amount of money that I I was expecting that he was actually going to get like at least 100 million on an extension. But I did think that there might be a lot more a lot of incentives. Uh, there aren't any incentives on this deal. The last year has some injury protection in case something happens to his knee, I believe. So while the 105 million being guaranteed could seem like a lot up front. I think it definitely helps in Memphis's favor that it defend that it descends. So that makes the deal a lot more palatable for me. I mean, like I thought he, if he, it, if it was flat, like flat 26 a year, that's great too. But I, the descending really helps Memphis. And 
The biggest cost for them is that now it doesn't look like they're going to have cap space this year, uh, based on my projections. Uh, at the same time, it's not like there's anyone that anyone that great to pursue. Anyways, you know, you can try to make a, a an offer sheet to a good restricted free agent that fits Memphis's timeline. But uh, other than that, that's the biggest cost. Um, not sure they might have cap space. Uh, Maybe even like the year after that, because now John Moran is he's going to be due for his max extension. But overall, I don't mind the deal. It's basically where I expected. Uh, well, you know what's interesting? Another deal that was kind of around maybe where like we had touched on previously. You got Mikhail Bridges with the Phoenix Suns. You know, on last podcast, I touched on some executives thinking he can get twenty million around there, a little twenty plus. He ends up getting about $22.5 million on his extension. So it worked out well for him there with the Phoenix. And they'll certainly need him to have a big year if they want to get back to the finals again. Yeah, I, I like this deal a lot for both sides. I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't have been opposed if he got even like 100 mil. So goes without th- saying, I think being Scott, really great value for Bridges. You got to pay up for all defense level wings that can guard multiple positions. Another team that had to pay up was Orlando, four years, $50 million for Wendell Carter. Um, so I put this out on a tweet, but so Wendell Carter's four-year, $50 million extension with the Orlando Magic has a guaranteed salary that decreases each year of the deal, league sources told Hooptype. So it starts out $14.15 million, then goes down to thirteen point oh five, then $11.95 million. And finally, $10.85 million by the 2025-2026 season. And all that's fully guaranteed. But, you know, if this guy pops, Yossi, and he's a really good player, that contract is going to, um, by the end of it, look like a steal for the Magic. So uh, we'll see uh, if it pans out that way. Yeah, this, I was pretty on the money predicting what Carter would get in our last podcast uh yeah based around 12-ish million a year i think that's precisely what i would love to get wendell for uh i like it even more that the money's descending just like with jaron so like 11 million dollars that last year that's like you know that that's like a that is a that's where the steal is like at the end of that contract orlando huge history with the sending contracts they did it with vucevic recently they did it with aaron gordon uh, they're one of the more uh, active teams in terms of creative salary cap, uh, like structures, uh, you know, whether it's like the, the descending. So just another one of the another contract like that for them. Uh, so he's getting slightly higher than Yusuf Nurkic money. So I think that's a steal for a starting quality center. I, you know, a lot, there's a lot of debate on that with Wendell Carter, but I think he's a, I think he's there. He's a starting quality center. Uh, and Orlando can still generate just under $30 million in cap space or so in my projections for next summer. So like with Memphis, you know, they could try to make a, an aggressive offer sheet to a restricted free agent. But, uh, you know, again, they're not really, even, even if I, I thought they might, I'm trying to think if anyone else was extension eligible. Like, oh, it was Mo Bamba. Um, I mean, even though they didn't give him an extension, they still have a lot of cap space. And I'm not exactly sure what Orlando can pursue, but 
they'll they can at least do some salary dumps just then or you know yeah that i would just do some more salary dumps if i were them in the meantime yeah another guy we touched on last podcast we were in the ballpark on was kevin herter said he would get around joe harris money he got a little less than 18 million dollars he ended up with about 16.25 million a year on his extension that's also uh fully guaranteed so uh the uh not the red, not the red rifle. What do they call him? Red velvet for the cake? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he. I'm thinking of uh, Andy Dalton, the red rifle, but uh, I think it's red velvet. I, I don't know. I just think now the Rick Astley video when he's like, never going to give you up that song because the playoff highlights, like that's for Kevin Herter for me. But uh, what'd you think of it by the end of this? It? This is the extension I love the most out of all the ones uh, given out this week. I think out of all the extensions given out, this one was perhaps the most precise in valuation, in my opinion. After what he did for the Hawks against the Sixers, he was due for a big contract, and 16.25 per year seems perfect, considering he's uh, not only is he's a starting caliber player, but he's probably going to come off the bench for the Hawks when they're fully healthy. So, like, that just seems like a perfect amount to pay. For Kevin Herter, for the type of role he, he's going to have for them. How are you feeling on Landry Shamit still? Because I feel like we were talking about this as it was happening. And so he gets the four-year, $43 million extension with the Phoenix Suns. Okay. And on the surface, you're like, wow, hold on, four years. Then I report that he's got a team option on the fourth year of the deal uh, for Hoops Hype. And then it comes out even further. Year three is non-guaranteed too. So when you digested all of that, what was your conclusion after when you got those final numbers on Landry Shams extension with Phoenix? Well, I mean, when before we got the those, you know, the the corrected reporting, when I saw four forty three, this one made my jaw drop. I mean, I was surprised. I I, I was surprised he got an extension at all because. I think I've seen Shamit play a lot for all the teams he's played for, and like I, I don't, I just don't know what he's done to like garner that type of money and the years. Um, and I get that for Phoenix, this is a bet that he's gonna be a forty percent plus three point shooter going forward. And uh, but he's been on three or great organizations so far, and he hasn't quite panned out yet. So. Why rush to an extension, especially at the full mid level? I'm not totally convinced that he was going to get offered that this offseason just yet. Um, so now, yes, it does make a lot more sense that the last two years are non-guaranteed. So that, you know, that that supposedly will justify the uh, the like 10 million or so a year rate. But I still think that's a lot of money to give someone who hasn't played for you just yet. And, you know, we were talking about uh, what's going on with DeAndre Aiden. I'm sure that sends like some kind of mix that could send a mixed message to him, you know? So as far as the relationship, again, I, I don't expect anything bad, but if you're Aiden, you, you see that extension. I don't know. Oh, you're definitely feeling a certain way. Like, and again, yeah. I've said this a million times. I know people think, well, uh, well, you know, it's uh $130 million less uh, than Aiton. But it's like, you know what? And shout out to the Twitter tough guys with the thumbs. They always want to comment and have something to say. But 
Um, that's not the point. It's the principle of the matter. Like you're more focused on getting an extension done for a guy that respectfully has not played a game for you or a guy that you're number one overall pick in a franchise cornerstone. Again, I mean, we've, we've beaten that horse to death, but uh, another guy that got an extension done that, you know, you touched on whether maybe Shama could have been more around the mid level. Um, you know, some wondered like kind of where Grayson Allen was going to be, if he was going to be around there, maybe a little more ends up getting a two year extension. Grayson Allen's two year extension with the Milwaukee Bucks includes $17 million guaranteed. Okay. But it could reach 19.6 million in potential bonuses as I tweeted and league sources told hoops hype. So another guy that they save in a little bit of money there about eight and a half million guaranteed. We'll see if he hits these bonuses or not. But to me, Yossi, I think the wider scope of that is the Grayson Allen, the Grayson Allen extension seems to be a hedge in case Dante DiVincenzo gets a huge offer sheet and restricted free agency and the Bucks can't match or they have to do a sign and trade. Uh, I would say yes and no to that because while I, I think Grayson Allen's a guy that he's a he's a good player that you you know you want him he's a high end bench guard in my opinion who can fill in and start when needed and yeah I was surprised that Allen got an, an extension before DiVincenzo uh, but I think the Bucks imagine having both of these players together for the long run um, you know they just they let a uh, they didn't bring back Bryn Forbes, so they need that extra score. And I think Grayson Allen, I, I'm, I really like him. So full mid-level money uh, annually, which is what he got, I think, just about what he got. Uh, roughly kind of what I, I thought he'd get. And uh, making it a two-year deal is, makes his deal very movable down the road. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens as far as DiVincenzo. Um, I think so. The Bucks, they're keeping their their expenses relatively controlled heading into next year with this extension. Um, and yeah, of course, I'm going to be wondering what's going to happen to DiVincenzo next. Uh, I, I after you know, not that he's a a good comparison to Kevin Herter, but you know, he just got 16 million annually, and then you got Allen making 10 million annually. I. So I really wonder where DiVincenzo's value is in between there. Um, I would bet that Milwaukee still resigns him. Uh, but if you look at what they gave Grayson Allen, which seems pretty team-controlled, I imagine they might squeeze Dante in the in restricted free agency to see like how low they can get him back for. But um, you know, Dante's a guy that I think any team with with a uh, cap space they can just sign give him a decent offer and plug him in so there's going to be some competition for him um but um you know if they lose him i wouldn't say that uh having allen is like the best hedge for him so uh we'll see we'll see uh what happens there time will tell on that and i mean we touched on previous predictions on the uh contract extensions but Yossi, let's let's wrap it up with season award predictions because it is that time of the year. Uh, we're either going to look like Nostradamus or we're going to look stupid, uh, as Bobby De Niro would say. And uh, I forget which movie, but he was like, what are you, stupid? So we'll find out by the end of the year. But for now, um, 
MVP. To me, Kevin Durant, because he's going to have to carry more of the load without Kyrie Irving there. Um, you know, I think it, he should be playing more games now. He's further removed from his Achilles injury. And uh, it just seemed like last year he was, when healthy, the best player uh, overall offensively in basketball. Yeah, I'm with you there, I think. And, and not so much to do with the Kyrie stuff. Uh, obviously, his absence would help a lot, but I would help Kevin Durant's case a lot. But yeah, he's the best player in the league, in my opinion. And I think this Brooklyn team, with or without Kyrie, I think they're going to have a really, really strong regular season record. To me, it actually came down to Kevin Durant or James Harden. And I almost went with Harden just because I you probably expect him to play more games. But uh, I don't. I, I don't expect, like, I think the season, as far as players missing time, I don't think it's going to be as crazy as it was last season. So I think Kevin will play, uh, like, enough games to warrant an MVP case. And if he hits that game's criteria, I think it's, the award is his to lose. Another award, Rookie of the Year. To me, I'm going with... Jalen Green on the Houston Rockets. I like Kate Cunningham. I think he'll be fine. I just think that Houston is in such a rebuild mode that uh, it's going to be all about the development of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. this year to see where they're at. They're going to get plenty of minutes, plenty of shot opportunities. So, you know, rookie of the year, it's like fantasy basketball. I'm just looking at the guy that's going to put up the most stats. I think that's Jalen Green. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't have too much more to add there. Just the stats, and I guess it's just a ma- So if when we're just looking at who's going to do the best stats, it, I think we can basically go with either Jalen Green or Kate Cunningham. And I think Jalen should score more. And historically, that kind of that could be enough for a lot of past rookie of the years. So I think it's a pretty safe bet. I, and I think voters will look at Jalen Green. Defensive player of the year, you know, I don't know, just like common sense. I'm a Rudy Gobert. It's going to get to a certain point where it's boring, but it is what it is. Like, if Ben Simmons yeah. isn't playing, I, you know, <laughs> what else could I well, say? I mean, yeah, I mean, even if Ben Simmons comes back, I and I could still see there being some like, uh, you know, even if even if Ben Simmons does really well, maybe the media will still want to look at a different player. But Rudy Gobert, I he is still in the tier of his own in defense, in my opinion. I think he should have won it the year before last year when um, Giannis won it. Nothing against Giannis, but I think Rudy was just. I think there was some voter fatigue there. It felt like, and I think the only thing stopping Rudy would be an injury and voter fatigue from getting this award. Coach of the year is a little bit more open, I think, in our opinion. Here's our first disagreement. Well, for me, I'm going to go with Billy Donovan because I think the Chicago Bulls are going to take a major leap forward this year. They better after all the uh, big offseason additions they made with DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball. Uh, Shout out to Alex Caruso. I don't want to leave him out among the other guys that Chicago brought in. Um, To me, that usually spells the best recipe for coach of the year candidate. You saw what Tom Thibodeau did with the Knicks. 
and turning them around and a huge win improvement. I think Billy Donovan can do the same thing in Chicago. He'll be a strong contender for the award, and he could win it. And if Billy Donovan can get the Bulls to like at least a five seed, then I think he might become the favorite because that would be quite a turnaround. I'm I'm not as bullish on the Bulls. I have I'm not sure they'll make it out the plan. But uh, if someone can get them into the playoffs, it's definitely Billy Donovan. <laughs> uh, my selection, I think Michael Malone. Uh, I think Denver's gonna have a very strong year again very similar record wise to what they had last year and for me like as long as i think as long as the nuggets have Jokic, he's healthy playing every single game i think they should take care of business and i'm you know maybe not steamroll through the regular season but at least have uh be a top four seed and with murray out expected to miss most of the season if the nuggets can maintain home court advantage in the first round i think that's gonna be a huge uh, boost in Michael Malone's resume. So uh, I've just always been a big believer in his system, just very fluid. And I think uh, as far as the regular season games, some people might be uh, look having this uh, Jamal Murray injury. They might be taking too much into account. Uh, Murray, like, yeah, he'll definitely, he's definitely like, He's, he's such an important player, especially to uh, raising their ceiling in the playoffs. But as far as regular season, like like I said, I, as long as they just have Jokic, I, I think like with Michael Malone's system, they're good enough to be like a 4-5 seed. So uh, this season might le- really uh, have people realize what, how good a coach Michael Malone is. Well, certainly without Jamal Murray, it could help. Uh, Michael Malone's candidacy if they have a big year. Um, Looking towards the sixth man of the year award, I went with a a sleeper in my opinion. I went with Patty Mills on the Brooklyn Nets. I think, again, without Kyrie Irving, there's going to be minutes. There's going to be plenty of shots. And Patty Mills is going to light it up like Times Square on New Year's Eve uh, with with as many opportunities as he's going to get. Yeah, I, I, I came very close. With Patty Mills, I, to me, he's second. Uh, he'll, he'll definitely get the opportunity. And he's going to close a lot of games for the Nets uh, as long as Kyrie's out. But uh, I went with Kevin Herter. So this is provided that the Hawks are mainly healthy, that uh, Hunter and Bogdanovich are going to play enough that Herter comes off the bench. And if he does, I think Kevin Herter is the best player in the league coming off the bench. Uh, I might be missing some names. I'm not really... I haven't really thought it that deeply, but I like Kevin Herter really stands out to me as the most uh, like the most starter level quality player that would be coming off the bench for the Hawks when they're fully healthy. Moving from coming off the bench to the most improved player of the year. For me, I'm going with Jordan Poole on the Golden State Warriors because I think Jordan is primed for a breakout year. Jordan Poole is going to start for the Warriors with Klay Thompson out at the start of the year. And we saw him in the preseason. This guy was on fire like uh, something we've never seen. I don't want to say never seen, but he was just, he was lighting it up like the, the fires on the West Coast. I mean, this guy was just a bucket getter. And I think 
playing alongside Steph Curry and uh, the attention that he draws is going to open up the floor for him. Uh, Jordan Poole definitely will have a case for that. And if Clay Thompson comes back soon enough, Poole could have a really good case for six man of the year. Um, but my case for my pick for most improved is Michael Porter Jr. So again, back to the Nuggets. I don't use the one guy I just didn't touch on when I was explain, talking about Michael Malone's candidacy. And with Michael Porter Jr., I think he's really going to cement himself as a number two guy. And uh, that's no knock on Jamal Murray. I just, that's how good Michael Porter Jr., that's how good I think Michael Porter Jr. is. That when once Jamal comes back and he's fully healthy and he's back to form, I, I've, my prediction is that Michael Porter Jr. will still be like the, sec, the second option. So, yeah, I, I think he's, I, I think he's going to be an all-star this year. I think there's a good chance he averages like 25, 26 points per game. And another huge part of why I think Denver is going to stay within a, have a top four seed in the West. So he's my pick. And finally, Yossi, who's going to win it all? For me, as one executive said uh, previously, that was quoted on Hoopsite. The LA ARP Los Angeles Lakers. I like the Lakers to win the championship this year. Um, you know, I think the Nets without Kyrie, it's going to be a tough blow for them. Uh, you know, they're going to have to go up against the Bucks in the East. I don't think it's going to be as easy as people think. Just with the West and the Lakers, they are so loaded with talent. I know it's an older roster. I don't care. At this point, I think they just got to get through the regular season healthy. And, um, you know, LeBron James knows the clock is ticking here. So if he and AD are healthy, you always have to give the Lakers uh, a really good chance to to come out and win a title. And that's what I'm doing. I'm picking the Lakers at the start of the season. All right. Well, I'll be picking their most likely opponent. And I think that's going to be the Brooklyn Nets still. Uh I think Kyrie, he'll be. I think he'll be back. I wrote uh, an article earlier this week about, you know, what what if the Nets decided, okay, they want to move on from Kyrie. Like even if he comes back and everything's good, maybe they decide, oh, you know what? Like, I'm we're tired of this. Let what can they do? Are there any trades out there? Is there anything realistic? In the end, I kind of come back to the point that no, I don't think there's anything that realistic. But at the same time, I'm pretty confident he will come back. Um, Maybe in a month or two, we'll see. And with that, the Nets are going to be the heavy favorite. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I just, I don't see anyone stopping them when fully formed. Well, you'll see, I mean, it's going to be an exciting season looking ahead. We'll see how these predictions shape out uh, looking ahead towards the year. But on behalf of Yossi, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi, too. He's at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.